Welcome to our Wednesday live event. We call this innovation and audio here on the Clubhouse, and it does result in an episode of our podcast called The Encouragers Innovation and Audio, which you can get anywhere you get your podcast, basically. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters everywhere in the United States make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle and a lot more. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. So if you got a question, you got a problem that you'd like to get some extra eyes on, reach out anytime. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is part of our podcast series, The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, and will become available within about an hour, probably less than at the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and Just Joe Productions for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. Today, we're going to visit with, check this out, March 23rd, 2022. Where is this year going? Areen Shabadi is with us. She is an MBA, Harvard instructor, innovation and strategy consultant, corporate trainer, and entrepreneur in San Francisco, California. And of course, uh, we offer a lot of resources on our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That is where you're going to also find a lot of encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, even more encouragement with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in radio or audio today. You want to encouragement, you'll find right there at RainmakerPathway.com. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some consultants do because we believe in this theory of abundance. If you need to know what that is, just reach out for me and I'll be glad to explain it to you. Go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime and see what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk about today's guest now. This is going to be fun. Areen Shabadi, her company provides training and not just training, but also a consultancy to startups and companies in the U.S. and overseas and specializes in human centricity. I hope I said that right. Strategy, innovation, leadership and the intersection between business and psychology. Not exactly an unimportant intersection, by the way. Irene, she has led 200 business courses or more, workshops, training programs in the U.S. and seven other countries in the past 10 years. She founded Cactus International in 2013 to promote women's entrepreneurship in the Middle East and North Africa regions and was formerly a journalist and television host. You're going to hear about that, too. Irene received an MBA from Simmons University, where she was a full Bright Scholar. She also has a bachelor's degree in psychology and communication, so we'll be very careful to make sure she didn't get too much out of us during this interview. Irene, please welcome to the Encouragers and to Innovation and Audio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for, uh, for the introduction, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, it's we're so exciting for me. You know what? We're so glad to have you, not just on this live event, but really on our podcast, too. Before we get started, 
did you know at some point in your childhood that you know you wanted to be involved in being an entrepreneur or encouraging others in this lane? Absolutely not. No, no, not at all. I had, uh, you know, I'm I'm Palestinian. I was born and raised in Nazareth, um, and in my community, Palestinians um, they care a lot about education. And usually, you have a system. You have to study to be a doctor. If that doesn't work out for you, then maybe a lawyer. If that doesn't, like you, you have a list of things that you have to do. So, my approach was mostly okay, academia, and then I'm going to be a doctor. Maybe that was, you know, when I grew up, that's that's what I thought. Um, so I absolutely did not think that I want to be an entrepreneur. I would say, though, I did with my cousins start a business. Um, we were while we were, you know, growing up and and that was us going to the supermarket that was a little bit far from where we live. And we were buying, you know, some uh, chocolates and some snacks and candies and coming back and then in the yard. We were just doing sales and selling the, you know, the candies and products at a higher price for other kids in in the neighborhood. So I guess that was my only experience with entrepreneurship. Well, that's all right. You were being a little Warren Buffett there, right? You're being a nice <laughs> guess, reseller. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then the other thing that I think is is interesting is. Um, you know, my dad with his siblings, they started a business. My mom started multiple businesses. Um, wow. and, and I didn't think about that while I was growing up, but when I started, you know, when I did my MBA and then I learned about entrepreneurship and then I was teaching entrepreneurship, um, the research actually says that there's higher chances for us people to be entrepreneurs. If our parents, one of them or two of them are entrepreneurs. Oh, it's so interesting. And, and your parents do influence you for most people. They're really influenced by the power of what their parents do. It's what you see, right? It's like, and I know that we might get into this a little bit, and I might even get into trouble because I'm an old school guy, but I'm just going to say with, with female entrepreneurs, if you can see it, you can do it, right? Totally. If you can see it, and that's, that's sometimes the problem. I want to go back for just a minute because you're from a different part of the world than a lot of people that might listen to our innovation on audio, although we do have people who come from all over. That thing, that pecking order, you know, from an educational standpoint, and this had to come from parents too, not just yours, but everybody's parents. Does it really start at doctor? Yeah. Yeah, it did so, in so the past. Like, so, yep. yeah, so you're like, man, or am I going to be a doctor? Am I going to be a lawyer? And and it just keeps going until you figure out your place, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a doctor. If not, then you feel you're you failed somehow. It's okay. <laughs> all the parents at you know at, at that time, all the parents they wanted their kids to be doctors, and Are that we, was you know I, high I, kind of achievement. I have to ask you this, and I have to say this at, at first: we're encouragers on a group called the Encouragers, as you might figure out pretty quickly. But do you still carry that around with you? No. That that feeling? Did you no. carry it around with you for a while? No, I didn't want to. I, I, you know what, when I was a kid, I did want to be a doctor. And then when I grew up, and then I, you know, I finished my high school, I was like, no way. And I did actually do the interviews, my grades were, were very high. And I got to, you know, kind of do the interview to see if I'm, I'm going to be accepted to be a doctor. And I, I screwed it up the interview intentionally, I just didn't want to be a doctor. Um, so absolutely not. No, no, I think, you know, what's, fun about your story is you became you. 
yeah, yeah. You know, like I was like, no, that's I'm not going to be happy doing that. I'm not going to be happy studying for so many years to be able to actually make a difference. I think maybe that's if you ask me about entrepreneurship, um, maybe that's the link that I can see looking backwards, like to my life that I I wanted to do something. I, I love studying. I love knowledge. But at the same time, I wanted to do something that has an impact. Well, look, I, you, when you think of entrepreneurs, what do you think of? You think of people who want to get in the action. I want to get in the action right now, right? Correct. Correct. And that's that's the feeling that I had. And um, and that's when I when I was like, you know what? I would really love what here, here's where the parents get involved. And I'll tell you that the true story. I really okay. wanted to be an actress. And at the same oh, time, nice. I wanted to be um, to study media and journalism and be a journalist and a TV host. Like that's what I wanted. And then my mom said, you can do dual kind of dual degree. And my mom said, okay, you know, you have to choose one of them. And then the other topic has to show that you had really good grades. And so that's a true story. And then I, I, and then I enrolled in psychology. So that's how I did, you know, psychology and communications and communications was basically, you know, media studies and journalism. Okay. Um, So first, I love the cadence of your accent and the way you speak. And I just have to say that you've already surprised me a couple of times. And and in my research for sitting down with you and having this interview, you really surprised me. You have an interesting background that includes both radio and research. So why shouldn't we start with your education? It seems like a lot to me, and maybe it isn't, but Tel Aviv University, a BA in psychology, communications. Look, we're barely going to touch on all of this in the question, but your MBA is in entrepreneur at uh, entrepreneurship at Simmons University. We talk a lot about education, psychology, behavior, and communication on innovation and audio. Tell us why uh, education is so important to creativity, or is it? That's that's an excellent question. I, I think, you know, here's my answer to this. I don't think that education is a must for creativity, especially if you're learning in an environment where they want you to think in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. However, if that's not the environment, and that's, you know, that's kind of the way I teach, which is I do encourage, you know, participants to or people who I consult to kind of think beyond what they see right and 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 transforming that mindset I think if you are in such an environment then education does help a lot in making you creative there are tools to make people creative for example you know when we think about entrepreneurship and you say oh I see a problem I want to solve it right? right are you solving it at the root kind of are you looking deeply into this problem are you really holistically gonna solve it are you finding what's the what's the cause of this problem or are you just solving that surface so there are certain tools that get you at the bottom of it and then and then being creative so i do teach some of these tools on how to kind of dig deep into the root causes of the problem and then think of all the options to solve this problem and out of all the options just to mix and match right like and that's how you can be innovative actually and do something different than what exists right because you don't want to just imitate others that's in the right. market that's really really bad if you if you just imitate someone who's successful well, um, I, know in the market. You, I know that you know this okay i know that you know that there are a lot of people that romanticize entrepreneurship they come up with these ideas they want to be in business they want to yep. create something they want to be the steve jobs or the or the elon musk which is really reaching for the stars if you know what i mean but 
but you just nailed it right there. In, in the beginning of our interview, right here, you just said entrepreneurship is looking at the world and solving problems, right? Correct. Correct. And you know, to your question, education and creativity, maybe creativity, you can get it outside of education. But what you, what what is hard to do outside of education is innovation. Yes. Creativity is, is your creative mind. Innovation, it's a disciplined process. It's not mm. just, you know, just not an idea and I want to just create it and that's it. No. There See, is that is what that right there is why you're on innovation and audio. Could you repeat that one more time? Because I think using that word discipline is very important. Yeah, my, what I said is basically that, you know, when we think about innovation, innovation has to be, it, it can be just you sitting and thinking of an idea and being like, oh, yeah, I just want to, you know, transform this idea into a business. Innovation is about following a disciplined approach to right. transforming that idea into an actual business. And that's where education comes into play, because you need to understand what what you know, what market means, what a target market means, like how to pick the right target market for you. Right. You right. need to pick a target market, for example, that is there's a strong fit between what you're doing and that specific target market. That target market has to be a growing target market. You don't want to, you know, target a group that is shrinking. That's, you know, that doesn't make any sense because you're going to invest a lot of money and time. And then if that group is shrinking, then that's not, you don't have a strong business opportunity. So there's a now, lot of things. You're starting to sound like Warren Buffett again. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't like to invest in anything anymore. He used to. But now he's like, I want to invest in things that are going to have long term, right? Correct. And that's, a, and that's strategic. That's being strategic and long-term thinker. And that does require you understanding business. It does. It, right. it, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, some people who didn't have any background in business and they were successful. Yes, yes, they are. You know, there are few, very few examples. The majority of people are, it, it's much harder to do it right now because the competition is so, so high. And so if you don't understand how to create a business, how to solve problems, how to focus on creating value, and I, I, it's important for me when I talk about innovation also to talk about creating value. I see companies and even big ones who are super successful, who just start imitating each other. And that just yeah. drives me nuts. I'm like, yeah. you know, just look at your resources and try to create a new value into the market and focus on creating that value. Do not deviate from it just to imitate. For example, you know, just gonna give you a quick example. If I look at LinkedIn, I'm like, okay, you are a platform that connects professionals and, and that's how we connected, which is right. awesome. Um, right. But then you see like at some point, LinkedIn did stories. I'm like, why are you imitating Facebook? Like, mm -hmm. what's, what's the connection, right? Is this really serving your specific target market or are you just doing it because you don't wanna miss out in case it, it's well, gonna take off? And you know, there's another side to this too, which I know that you can share with us, which is sometimes uh, entrepreneurs start doing a certain thing and because of something they discover in the process, they may end up somewhere else, right? True. That is true. That is true. And even okay, you know, so when I teach entrepreneurship and I teach people how to, and I do believe in, you know, you have this whole concept of lean startup and fail fail fast and, you know, just try it out um, and, you know, don't spend time on creating a business plan. I, I still do believe there's a huge value in creating a business plan, not not because of the business plan itself or, you know, I don't, you know, I don't encourage anyone to spend too much time on creating a business plan, but it does help make you more strategic about the business. Listen, listen it's really interesting, right? I mean, 
I'm just going to say some things that might seem like I'm stating the obvious, but I think it's important here. Uh, most battles are won before the first shot is fired. Okay, so it is important to build the plan so that you're looking at your strategic plan, that you know where you're going, you know what your idea is, you know what problem you're trying to solve. And then, of course, when the first bullet is fired, uh, the game may change because there are going to be variables. You can't control everything in life. But still, you will have a plan. You will have a good, strong base in which to pivot, right? Absolutely. And I would say this, you know, the idea behind it, you're going to create a business plan and many of it, if you're creating something new, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. So you're going to make assumptions. Fine. Okay. You're going to create the business plan. What you're saying is totally correct. The, the markets are so dynamic and, and you know, with the so much competition that is happening, the, the markets change super, super fast. So the idea behind having that business plan and thinking through it is that if something changes in the market, you know how to adapt to your approach. If you don't have a plan and, you know, things change in the market, you're just going to be reacting to it. And that's not a strategic approach. So I, that's where, where the business plan com comes into play. It's not to say it has to be rigid and everything that you have in place, you have to follow. And that's why I'm saying don't spend too much time on creating a business plan. But it is going to be very helpful that when things don't go based on what you, you know, you assumed, then right. that's when you know how to actually pivot strategically. Well, and look, I can tell that your students uh, have a good base for understanding where to begin because you do talk about discipline. You do talk about planning. You do talk about how to set yourself up for success. At the beginning of your career, you started as a research associate for Institute of Research. I want you to tell us about this job. This involved a lot of analysis, and I'm quoting here, translating interview algorithms. Can you explain to us citizens what this means and what you enjoyed about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was a holistic experience of even interviewing people, right? And, and that's interviewing them in person, you, using the phone at that time and calling people and interviewing them and then looking at the data um, and seeing what that data means, etc. I, I, and I'm doing that a lot. Not only I didn't do it only at that time, but I do it a lot also with entrepreneurship when I started my business, what I teach about market research. So that's yeah. part of my life is conducting that market research, you know, understanding what, what the Look, data is. I can tell how important data is to you and that's very wicked smart today because look you're not just competing if you decide you want to be an entrepreneur you're not just competing with other people who started stuff in their garages and and frankly oftentimes now that's not occurring the way it might have in the past but you're you're competing with pools of education uh, pools of educated people, pools of investment people. And so it's really important, the things you're talking about, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, the idea behind it is, uh, you know, like when we talk about business, right? The idea behind it is you're going to target people in the end of the day. And if you don't understand, and that's where the human centricity comes into place. If you don't understand what are the needs and wants of those people, how they make decisions, how they get influenced, it doesn't matter how smart you are and how great your idea is, you are not going to convince them to buy your products or services because they do, they won't see the value and you don't understand how they make decisions, right? Oh, so my God. One of the things that I do is I write a lot for uh, salespeople. I feel like you're about to give a sales seminar. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I do because people but, always want to focus on the data and they want to focus on my products better than your product. You know what? People don't care about your product. People care about themselves. Absolutely. And you should care about them. Yes. And if you don't care about them, then they won't care about you. It doesn't matter that's how great exactly your product right. is. That's so, right. So, and that's that's the difference between you know product-centric companies and human-centric companies, right? And customer-centric companies. And and the idea is, you you have to be especially now, especially with the you know, there's something that I, I keep. I teach customer centricity, and one of the things that I say, you know, Ford with the um, Model T, I think at that time, mm -hmm. um, he said a sentence, and he said, you know, customers can get um, the car in any color they want as long as it's black. That's right. And well, that sentence, it just shows that in the old times when you didn't have a lot of businesses or a lot of competition, and it was the manufacturing, you just create the product, you put it out in the market, consumers don't have options. So they're going to buy your products. Yeah, so you just you try that now. With, yeah, try that with Apple now. Exactly. You know, if you want to compete with Apple, you just try having one color, right? Yeah, so so that's the high, the same kind of concept where today consumers have a lot of power and they can decide. And if you don't understand them well, and especially if we talk about the, you know the newer generation, right? Like generations, yeah. they have they are not one generation. They don't no, want no, the same they've, thing. They've not never had. I know that that's not education. I'm going to get in trouble with my Harvard person. Yeah. Here. <laughs> They've, they've not never had options. In other words, they've always had all these options. They don't understand the things that you and I might understand about the past. Absolutely. And they don't and they don't care about them either. Right. And they have the right not to care about them as well. All right. So they have, look, they have options. Every, every question now gets more interesting, or at least I feel like it does. And so I'm going to start here. Uh, one of the things I see in your history is that you actually did sales marketing and you were on the air for the voice of love radio nazareth can you tell us about that please yeah it was it was an interesting period because i was studying um studying doing my bachelor's degree in psychology and communications and then i got this job um which just so you know many of the things that i got in my life it was my mom telling me about them um, oh really having that yeah yeah my mom was like you know i know what you want so even though i would tell you like yeah she she wanted me to be a doctor but it knowing what I wanted, she was just aligned and every opportunity that she she found, even the TV hosting, oh, you know, working for the TV channel, even the Fulbright scholarship, she was the one who's like, listen, you have to apply to this. Listen, you have to apply to this job. Um, so she's the one who got me that kind of, you know, he, she, who told me about the position at um, the radio station. And uh -huh. basically I was, I was a host at the radio station and it was interesting. I wasn't only a host at the radio station. I also took part of um, the marketing and sales and basically mm -hmm. creating ads and also going to small businesses and convince them to, you know, create um, or for us to create ads for them and promote them on our radio channel channel at that time. So that's kind of the job that I did with them. And it was it was super interesting for me because that's how, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, I got to meet all these, you know, business owners in terms of restaurants and so many different businesses, um, talking to them, understanding their needs, and then creating those ads for them that match their needs, or we believe that could help promote their businesses. So that's that's what I did. It was it was very exciting. You got to see real world entrepreneur in action. And now we get really serious because look, you, you've been involved with, and I'm going to try to get this right, and you'll correct me wherever I'm wrong, Holt Business Challenger. Uh, this is in Boston, February 2017. Uh, Hive Hack for ED, uh, Harvard 
iLab, is that correct, in Boston in October 2016, Holt Business Challenger in Boston in April 2016. Look, is this kind of activity your superpower? In other words, what what has interested you so much in entrepreneurship? What's What's the key that's turned the ignition for you? You know, for me, entrepreneurship is passion. So for me, it's passion with running my own businesses, but also when I work with other entrepreneurs, when I see them pitching their businesses, it's there's a lot, a lot, a lot of passion and energy and just just that kind of even hope, right? Like you see all yeah. these young people trying to, young and not young, it doesn't matter, you know, not the age, but- you Oh see, no, you do see young uh, millennials. It's mostly young in those pitch, pitch competitions. Absolutely. Um, but you see, you know, those young people who are coming, who are, you know, looking at the problems of this world, trying to solve them, talking about them. It just, it, it just, it just keeps fulfilling me. This whole experience, not only those, you know, those events, but also all the entrepreneurs that I keep working with on a daily basis. Like this is, this is what I do um, with, you know, with my career. It's, it's working with entrepreneurs, consulting them, helping them, guiding them. And it's, it's doing these kind of events being a judge at pitch competitions or helping entrepreneurs with their pitch, pitch um, decks, etc., and and what fulfills me the most is really seeing the the you know this amount of passion and also the fact that it does give me a lot of hope that all these people are looking at the problems and they're trying to to solve these problems. We and I would say also the new generation. We don't know anything about the future, right? It's it's hard to predict. Even though I would say, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship and success, um, being visionary a little bit could yes. really help, right? When we talk yeah. about Steve Jobs and how he was so visionary, and that's one of the things that made Apple so so successful. Oh, how about Elon Musk? He's, he's too. In, he's in one business. I'm going to Mars, right? It's just all this other stuff is a part of that. You know, everybody today seems like everybody gets real passionate about all these cooking shows. Uh, I don't know if you're into that, but I'll tell you this. I want to know what you feel the ingredients are that must be present to encourage innovation today. So I would say multiple things. First of all, you know, if, if... To encourage innovation, we have to support entrepreneurs, Brady. I mean, we have to bring more kind of models, right? Like people who you would look up for. Yeah. The more you get like, you know, the, the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, the more they are so up high in the sky, that's harder for other people to see that they can get there. So if we, if we can, it, it really is, you know, you kind of no, like, it's what, really am I gonna... that, that, look, they Business gets so big now that you start to worry, okay, well, I can never be an Amazon. I could never be a Facebook. I could never be a whatever it is, you know, Tesla. I, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. But once you see it modeled, and especially if it's closer to you, you start to think, yeah, I could do that, right? Absolutely. And I think it's it's more also the support that we get as entrepreneurs, right? The more support we get and the more you are encouraging more people to get up the chain, right? Of this being successful and growing their businesses, the more you fuel 
the people under, right, to, to also try to get to the same level. So that's that's why we need more and more and more examples in the middle, because now Jeff Bezos is very high up, right? It, it's well, hard to say, oh, yeah, I can I can be exactly like him, even though I would say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can be creative, you can be innovative, and you can create something that disrupts. And there's plenty well, of examples of businesses that disrupt their, disrupted whole markets, right? So that's where innovation comes about. Um, I think also, you know, if you ask me about the characteristics of what makes someone successful, and I would say optimism is part of it. You yeah. have to be optimistic. None of those, you know, Elon Musk, oh, we're going to go to Mars, right? Uh, Steve Jobs, mm -hmm. we're going to create this thing that all people are going are gonna to use this small device that all people can, are going to use to listen to music um, when, they're using, when they're using it. So, so there's th that aspect of optimism you see something that other people don't see. You see that you're going to be successful in a way that other people usually are not going to see. And it's fine. You have to truly believe in yourself. And I'm not saying, you know, mm. that, that you're going to be successful 100%. The word entrepreneurship means to take risk. I'm going to you check the box of confidence. So that's the second ingredient right there, right? Absolutely. Confidence as well. You have to be persistent. You, it's ups and downs. It's roller coaster the whole time. And and you just need, whenever you're at the bottom, you have to ask yourself, why did I start this, right? What keeps fueling me and right. fueling my business? And then, and then just stand up and keep going. So persistence is very important. Um, support, right? Like I, being able to ask for support and networking, that is so crucial. There's lots of research that talks about entrepreneurs who are more successful the, are the ones who have a strong network. So oh, if you okay. think about, you know, how can I get, I mean, for a business to be successful at a certain point, if it's a scalable business, you need investment. If you don't have the network, if you don't have the connections, well, then someone else might be successful and you're not, not because your business is not good, it's just because you don't have the connections. You know, I used to say this thing until I was about, I swear to you, this is embarrassing to say, but I used to say this until I was about 50 years old until I learned the truth. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would say it's both. That's you know, like totally not true. Here's what's true. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. It's, you know, that's that's very interesting, too. It's who knows you and who believes in you and yes. who wants to help you, right? Yes, um, yes. And I, I do I do absolutely agree. I always say also, you know, my, my biggest advice in networking, be genuine. Yes. I mean, yes, we all want to, you know, want to wanna progress in our lives. We all want to be successful. All, you know, all the different things that we were trying to accomplish. But at the same time, what we are human beings and what, is the most valuable thing is the relationships that we can build with each other and those relationships if they are genuine people will genuinely help you they will come to you and help you you so, know you're really unafraid and i like this about you and i think that's an important ingredient too you were involved in television can you tell us about television with you i think people learn a lot by the variety in your background and especially your media experience yeah, TV. Um, so I mentioned before that was fine to be the host. Um, right. And I was I was a producer. I worked as a TV producer. I you know I was a programming um, director, and at the same time, I did host my own TV shows, and I hosted six TV sh shows overall. Um, interviewed hundreds of people. I think you might know that as well, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's radio or or TV, um, it was a fascinating experience, which 
requires you to be very curious in your life, right? About people, about how they achieve things, the ability to ask questions, the active listening, the ability to facilitate conversations, um, the ability to, you know, while I'm as a TV host, right? Like while I'm looking at um, at the camera and and trying to facilitate the conversation and, you know, the, the content editor is talking in my ear while I'm listening and trying to form my next question. And fast. I mean, the whole thing, it's, it's a very stressful experience initially, Absolutely. but then you learn how to be very calm and, and, and have that way of reading the room and planning while you're, you're doing what you're actually hosting the show. So there's that me, discipline again. It's what? There's that discipline again. I like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I would say one of the things I also learned, I don't know, I mean, one of the things that I really, the first TV show that I had, and, and then, you know, I was working for the TV channel, and when you go to the cafeteria, there's a big screen, and they put my show on that screen, and I was going to the cafeteria, and I was like, oh my God, how I look. It's awful. And I hated <laughs> looking at myself, and everyone is looking at me, right? Um, but I think if there's something that I learned in my life is I... I jump. I just, you know, if I want something, I ask for it. I ask my 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 boss and I ask other people at the company and I, I make sure that I actually start um, hosting a TV show. And right. after that, of course, I wasn't in the beginning. Of course, I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I was good, right? I had a lot to learn, but I didn't, I wasn't afraid to ask for what I want. I wasn't afraid to jump in well, and, and do it. Well, and a big part of being able to do something is starting, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best ever. I think there these stories, I don't know if you know the musical, the rock band U2, but yep. but look, they they used to say that that when Bono came around, he told them all he was going to be their lead singer. He did not know how to sing. And in fact, for the first couple, three years, they said he was terrible. Look at him now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 that, and that's like, I mean, this this example is the example of billions of people who just jump, who just yes. jump into something. They, start, and they just they start, and then you don't have to be. I, and I, you know what? I face it a lot with entrepreneurship. So the idea of oh yeah, like no, I can't start the business now. I have to get this degree, and I have to do this, mm-hmm. and I have to do that. And I'm like, no, start because and you shouldn't be perfect because you're wasting resources because you don't know how the market is going to react. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about you again. At some point, you made a more direct turn into both journalism and consulting, which by the way, I think marries up perfectly well as a transition. What drives your passion really? Is it curiosity? I would say curiosity. I would say um, growth. Okay. I really care about growing in this world. I really care about trying different things and and, and not be led by fear. Mm. Um, that's very important for me. Not not to feel that comfort zone doesn't make me feel good. Do you do you always search for how do I get outside that comfort zone? Yes. All right. Yes. So t- tell us about MIT Launch. What is that? MIT Launch uh, was a program for teens and it was Mm -hmm. teaching them entrepreneurship so how to start businesses and that program i was at um, mit the trust center at that time and basically teens would fly from all over the world and they would come in the summer 
to um, MIT and basically we would train them on how to become entrepreneurs. So they will actually work on, you know, creating business ideas and, and businesses. That had to be really exciting. That had to be really exciting. It, yes. it was very exciting. Yeah. You're talking yeah, about it, solving problems all over the world and different ideas just like in a blender, right? It is. It is. It, you know, all of it, right? Like, and, and then mm -hmm. if you ask me what drives me, the curiosity part, the growth part, and, and the fact when you talk about entrepreneurship, it, you learn a lot. Oh, absolutely. From so the listen, teams that I worked with, from the professionals, from the people who I consult, you know, you, you learn so much from them as so well. So you learn as much from your clients as they learn from you, hopefully. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All right. So look, you've been an instructor at Stanford University, Harvard, Babson College. How do you sprout all this time? Because look, I'm having trouble here. Is it tough managing your schedule? And do you have any kind of personal life? I do. I do. Yes. Um, it is. I have a busy schedule. Absolutely. Um, and the way I manage it is sometimes when you have a strong drive, you don't think of time. So when I'm sitting and working, I'm very many times when I'm passionate about something, I'm very productive. Right. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you're really good at what you're doing, right? Like I read a lot, I connect the dots. So it gets easier with time. So for me, you know, when I teach, I develop skills. I, I believe I'm a strong instructor. Um, so that makes it easier for me. I don't need to prepare as much as I had to in the beginning. So that leaves me, you know, more time to read and to educate myself, etc. Um, it is a lot of work and I'm doing a lot of things and working with a lot of institutions like Harvard, like Stanford, Babson, you know, and then I work with, with private clients, companies in Silicon Valley, startups all over the world, you know, mainly in the Middle East, North Africa and the U.S. And then I have my cactus business. So a lot, a lot of things. Things, but that's me going. I am someone who gets bored sometimes easily if there isn't well, much on. And so, you, do you get your energy from other people? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're one of my people. I like yeah. it. Okay, so let's talk about mentors because on the encouragers, we talk about mentors. We'd like to talk about that because, you know, we can all talk about uh, sharing. We can talk about um, networking, but mentor, that's a next level thing. If you have a mentor that you think, all right, well, they really have done a lot in my life. Can you tell us a story about how at least one mentor has changed you either personally or professionally? Yeah. You know, when I did, um, when I got my Fulbright scholarship in 2009, I moved to Boston and then I did my MBA at Simmons School of Business. And one of my professors, she's, you know, my entrepreneurship professor, Teresa Nelson. Um, she, I would say, you know, one of my biggest supporters, mentors, the best ever. That idea of starting, I came from the media industry, you know, I wanted to start my own business. That's why I did my MBA. And having that person who believes in you, she was, she fully believed in me. And, and she was supporting me from day one until today. And, and for me, that kind of mentorship, and I would say, you know, many times mentorship is not only advice. She does give me an amazing, amazing advice, but that, the, the energy and the, the confidence that someone, you know, projects, looks at you and see that confidence in you does right. make a huge difference because especially for entrepreneurship, especially when you're starting your first venture when it's so scary and you're afraid and you don't know where to start 
from and you know having that kind of mentor who believes in you fully and you don't doubt it not even a bit is so crucial. Well, you could you can tell the difference if somebody is saying they believe in you or they really do. And listen, I'm going to tell you something really positive about you. And I don't know if you think this naturally or not, but I personally, me, I never thought of consulting as teaching until I was fully doing it myself. But you have a significant history of lecturing school is awesome. Do you think of yourself as a natural teacher? It comes natural to you? Yes. And you want to hear a funny story? Yes. That I've never wanted to be a teacher. That was the last thing that I would have dreamed of in my life. Mm. I actually just um and here's the story of my entrepreneurship. My 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 idea of entrepreneurship and why I wanted to do um, my MBA was to start a TV channel actually. Oh. That was my dream. Okay. Um, and the TV channel was going to focus mostly on Palestinian women and then women in the Middle East and North Africa regions. Um, and while I was doing my market research, I discovered that more than 70% of women in the MENA region do not participate in the workforce, even though they are highly educated and more educated than men. That is interesting. And for me, I was like, man, I really, I love the TV industry. I love the media industry, the entertainment industry. And and for me, I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm faced with a tough decision here because I wanted to empower women through my TV channel. But then I discovered that TV channel is not enough. And I actually need to find a way to make them financially independent. Right. Because that's what matters the most. And that's how I transformed my idea from a TV channel that focuses on women to actually Cactus International. Um, and when I did my first course, um, I actually brought a lot of guest speakers. And I taught only a few of the sessions. And the overwhelming feedback that I got is, Irene, you have to teach most of the sessions. Don't bring as many guest speakers. You are amazing. You can explain difficult to understand concepts in an easy to understand way. You have it. And so I was like, huh, interesting. And I really enjoyed it as well. And so that's mm -hmm. how basically my business is the one that showed me or entrepreneurship is, is the way that I discovered that I actually love, love, love teaching. And Well, and look, this is the perfect marriage, right? Because you get to be in the entrepreneur lane you get to inspire, you get to simplify entrepreneurship, you get to help people do it, and you have this passion for helping others, which I think is incredible, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so look, look, you knew the word entrepreneurship was going to come up again and again and again in this interview. In November 2020, you did something in the middle of the pandemic that I bet everybody didn't do. You became a tech startup founder. Can you tell us directly about that experience, please? Yes, I think I was inspired just before the pandemic um, and with with the idea itself. And then when I um, when I shared it and I can't fully explain what the idea is, because that's something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm planning to actually establish at a certain point in my life. Um, but the concept behind it was mostly the social interactions and the fact that the problem that I was trying to solve with this startup is is the fact that people sometimes are isolated. Um, and I guess the pandemic just, you know, hit after and, and that made me pause a little bit working on the startup. But mm -hmm. the idea, uh, you know, the idea is how do we solve the problem of, especially I would say in big cities and the US when you have people who 
you know, don't reach out to others. Don't go out a lot with friends. Don't, right. and they are very isolated. And we have a big problem of depression, right? And and people feeling anxiety, etc. And so the the idea behind this startup or what this startup is trying to solve is getting people closer um, with, with, you know, having those closer relationships, being able to um, to meet with their friends more or create friendships, etc. So that's that's the idea behind it. I'm going to be honest, you know, since you asked me about managing my time, um, yes. I do work on it, but it's at a slower pace because of all the other engagements that I have. And sometimes uh, it's, it's just, you know, this conflict between I love what I'm doing so much. I really want to start this business and work on it full time. But I'm helping so many women and men and startups, you know, with their businesses. So so where am I? You know, what what do I do? And so I'm really in this kind of intersection of what am I going to do next? So I'm, I'm still working on it. I believe in it fully. Um, well, and I think look, it will transform getting, the, the whole world. Yeah. You're getting so much energy from helping others. Look, with such an interesting background, I, I got to ask this. Do you feel like you're a world citizen? I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But in other words, do you feel comfortable working in any or many parts of the world? And are you influenced by the same? Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 totally a global citizen in that sense. I love traveling a lot. I have taught in multiple countries. I mm. can get along with, you know, with people. I have this open mind and it's not only that, curiosity, I think. I love just being in different places and just you know helping different people, etc. And I do, you know, even with Harvard teaching and everything that I'm doing, I meet people from all over the world every single day. So absolutely. So it, it is, yeah. I would consider myself a global citizen. I'm not someone who's like, oh no, I don't feel comfortable being in a different country that don't speak my language. I'm like, I'll I'll manage. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, everybody speaks from their own perspective, okay? And here in the United States, we hear this all the time. Oh, you know, there's no other country like this one. You know, innovation is better here and all that. Is that true? Or do you think innovation can sprout anywhere or are both things true? I would say this. I think the U.S. is a great country for entrepreneurship. I think, um, you know, in terms of the government and in terms of the legal system and the policies and regulations, they do allow entrepreneurs to establish companies and flourish. They have what it takes to support. We have a strong ecosystem in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a lot of, of, you know, role models and examples in front of you. So that really kind of encourages more entrepreneurs to start businesses. You have right. a lot of organizations that support entrepreneurship. And if we talk about Silicon Valley, which is where I live, we have in terms, you know, in terms of, of funders. Yeah, there's a little have, something going on over there. Yeah, like a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we have in terms of funding, you have a huge amount of funding that it doesn't exist in any other place in the world. So of course all of these do help people who have ideas to actually materialize those ideas and establish businesses and find a way to grow those businesses. Something that usually doesn't exist in other countries. That doesn't mean that, you know, if we talk about entrepreneurs or innovation, it's better in the U.S. I think that, that you know, that the ecosystem here is very well established that does help it. But if we look at Africa now, you would see that, you know, entrepreneurship is flourishing a lot. If you talk about innovation and entrepreneurship, sometimes you have the best entrepreneurs and innovators in an areas where there's a lot of restrictions. That's right. Um, well, but again, I, for them to flourish, they need they need the ecosystem. And that's something that does differentiate the U.S. from other countries. But again, you know, Chile is known to have a strong innovation 
that is happening there. There are mm -hmm. many countries also that that are known for for innovation. And I would say we shouldn't in the U.S. Since you know I'm also U.S. citizen, we shouldn't only focus on the U.S. and look at the work from our perspective. Um, That's exactly right. And look, I I want to touch on this as well. And I I only have a couple more questions for you here, but I'm definitely going to slide this one in on you. Okay. Sure. Uh, I think one of the biggest impairments for entrepreneurship. Uh, one of the biggest impairments for anybody in a career, anybody trying to move forward, anybody trying to see how they become them in the world, if you will, is, is the limits they put on themselves. Would you say that you see that a lot in the psychology of people who are going to be entrepreneurs because look you'll see people who will be like okay i've got this great idea and it's just going to happen for me and if it doesn't just happen right away they get demoralized and start talking the negative talk do you see that yeah and for that i would highly recommend a book by uh, professor carl dweck from stanford is called mm -hmm. mindset okay and it does talk about two kinds of mindsets, um, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And a fixed mindset sees the word as, you know, in a way, you know, what, how smart I am, how smart everyone is, how can I keep my image? So I don't, so in that case, you know, people with a fixed mindset wouldn't want to take risks because risks might make you fail and they don't want to fail. They want to keep- They don't want to be seen as failing, right? Exactly. And they are, mm -hmm. you know, when they see a challenge, they are discouraged by it. Um, if they fail, it's going to be a big deal for them. It's going to, you know, threaten their, their, uh, you know, security, self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say, I would, I would agree with you fully. And I would say many, many, many people are led by their fears. And that comes, I'm not going to go too much into it. I love psychology. I can't talk for hours about that. No, listen, I think it's great that you brought that up. And you've talked about fear twice now. And once you talked about it as a sword, like, I do not want to be driven by fear. So when I see fear, you know, I won't say that you said you run toward it, but you kind of do. And the other thing is that fear can cause such setback because it can stop you from actually taking that action and getting started, right? Yeah. And it's basically, you know, I, I was mentioning that to someone. We have our child. Childhood, right? We talk a lot about why, why, why are we afraid? And then I teach a lot of things, but I would say this many times it is about psychology. It is about how we are wired since we are little kids. Yes. And if you are wired in a certain way of parents that are overprotective or, you know, you can't do this or whatever it is, I mean, going back and asking yourself, why is it that you are led by fear is very crucial. And then the, the other aspect is, you know, I would always ask this question is it helpful to you? If it's helpful, keep it. But if it's not helpful to you, it's time to change that behavior. If it's not helpful to be led by our fear, it's time to work on it. And that's, you know, increasing our self-esteem. That's going against our assumptions. And can you, help people, can you help people with their fear? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that you can absolutely do is just ask yourself where it's coming from. And I would say this, Lloyd, for us, and I, I learned this about myself, is when we are wired in a certain way and we try to behave differently than our default, mm. the, 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 the feeling that we feel is very strong. And that feeling is as if we're dying, as if we're not going to survive. Oops. Well, I don't like that. Absolutely who, not. Who and likes so, that, right? 
Absolutely not. So that's why you see people just staying where they are, right, in their comfort zone, because getting out of that comfort zone feels like it's too risky. It's as if I'm going to die. It's as if I'm not going to survive anymore. And it really goes back to our childhood and how we looked at things and how we internalized them. And at that point, as children, it was true. It was true. If we don't do what's expected of us, then we might die because we think that our parents are not going to feed us anymore, right? Rain. Where were, you, where were you born? Yeah. So somehow. No, no. You know, where were Where were you born? I was born in Nazareth, actually. Okay. So listen. So you're a long way from the beginning, right? Yeah. And and it doesn't bother you to go. I can pick up and go do X, Y, or Z, right? No. And I had parents who who you know, especially my mom and my dad, who were like, you know, you have. I mean, of course, it's hard for them that I live so far away, but but they were mm -hmm. the ones who would say. We, I wasn't raised in a house where we had a lot of money. I had to go to college and I had to pay for my college. And But they always made me believe. And, and I went to, yes, they spent all their money on a private school. Um, and, and that school, actually, there was a lot of discrimination because my parents didn't finish, you know, high school. So for right. them... You know, I the, the the way they looked at me as as if I'm not going to be successful. But wait a minute, how powerful is it that your parents, who did not finish high school, thought we have to make this an issue, and they pushed you forward, right? Yeah, and that's where where you know I would say that that belief in myself came from them because they yeah. would always tell me I I go back home, you know, I go back to my parents' house, and then they would always say. No, you can do it. You have what it takes and you can do it. Yes, go. Yes, do this. Yes, they, they would never limited me and limited yeah. my ambition. You have and a I lot to be grateful for. I, I do. I am so, you know what? Like I keep just thinking about my upbringing and, and if I look at the circumstances and I look at my mom even, I'm like, wow, the way she thinks, how visionary she is, how she was That's able right. to, we didn't have much and she was able to see that, yeah, like I can reach far. And then she created that environment for us that helped us actually, not only me, all my siblings too, to reach very far in, in our lives. So, but, but that's not something that all kids are in. Many times parents' fear of, of you know, being ambitious. Transfers to the kids. Exactly. And the yeah. kids just take it with them and they, they start looking at life in the same kind of vision that their parents had. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. And by the way, I have found myself sometimes that I'm very far away from my parents in terms of mentality. And as a matter of fact, people in my family kind of look at me as like a, a sort of an alien <laughs> because I am I'm very different. And I, of course, grew up in an environment that was very restrictive, like you talked about earlier. And they all kind of looked at me like, OK, well, Lloyd is a little bit different. What is this going to be like, you know? But that has made a huge difference for me in so many different ways. And yet I still find every once in a while, I feel that a behavior of mine comes from that fear. Yeah, totally. And, I, and that's when I say, you know, that's when you have to prove your assumptions that they're wrong. That's so, right. for example, if I say... If I start a business, it's going to fail. It's, well, start, try to do small thing. Take the first step. See what's going to happen, right? Like just right. go against your assumptions and see, see what happens. And, and one thing that I heard too that helped me a lot is whenever you're trying to do a behavior that is 
you know, it, it's not, it doesn't come natural to you, but you know, it's the healthy behavior that you have right. to kind of acquire. It's not going to feel comfortable. And well, the minute that it's not feeling comfortable, that means you're on the right track. All right. Listen, I am adding things to our list. And, and because you're in Silicon Valley right now and we're having this conversation, we're going to talk about something big here. But I'm just going to say that you you said start. So starting is very important. And I'm going to add that uh, just keep going is also important. And also this thing that you talk about where you say prove to yourself what something means so that you can push through a fear, right? Yeah. So listen, uh, sort of a final question for you. Uh, we, we'd like to look to the future on something called innovation and audio. It's not surprising. What is the future in your op opinion of innovation? Where are we going? Ah, where are we going? That's, that's a very good question. Um, I think that there's a huge technological advancement, right? You know, you heard about the metaverse, yes. AI, you know, all these things. They're not still at the level of, you know, how the whole buzz that is happening. They're not still at the high level that everyone is anticipating to happen in the future. So that will be in, it will happen in the future, but it is going to transform the way we live. On one side, I think I am for technological advancements. And I think, you know, if we, if companies start becoming more ethical and responsible, we can have actually a better life, you know, using AI in the end of the day, if you're using AI to understand me better. And so you're offering me things that I really want and would help my life. That's great. That's wonderful. And I will pay for them. There's no problem. And I think businesses can be very successful, successful if they take that approach. My fear is um, that some businesses are not going to do that. And we will have big issues when it comes to our privacy. We'll have big issue in terms of, and I'm going to talk about that. I mean, you know about- well, we already do. Exactly. I mean, you 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 saw the, you know, the Facebook, the the research about teenagers teenagers using using and how that is impacting mm. um impacting them and their depression so that's when i would say you know there's always a way to make profit but also make profit out of creating true value well and the other thing with all this data is you have to ask yourself what is it you don't know about what's happening Right. Exactly. And you know what, I would say that's where governments have to, I, I know that there's a huge debate in the US about, you know, how much governments should get involved. But I do believe, first of all, governments should hire the right people who understand technology very well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, so you've uh, seen, you've seen, wait a minute. So you've seen Congress and these interviews that they I know, I saw them. they're like, yeah. how do you make money? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Like that's, that's how you regulate businesses. So we, right. we do need to have very, you know, kind of prominent people who understand technology, how the technology is going to evolve and put the right regulations in place to protect citizens. And, and that's how, you know, from my perspective, that's why governments exist to protect their citizens and to help them flourish within within their country and of course you know i do believe in global kind of way of living which means all governments should collaborate with each other to to make sure that the new generations will live in a, in a good um in a good way oh that's a so, podcast for another day irene I gotta yeah, tell yeah. You, that's a, that's a lot talk about trying to solve a problem uh create an app that solves that problem and we'll all be in good shape i do want to thank you for joining us on innovation and audio i do hope you'll stick around for minutes in case somebody from audience might have a question for you here in a moment sure 
Of course, while you're listening to this event live, make sure you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app. Please share it with uh, friends and radio and audio and people who are into innovation itself, because that's really uh, powerful. On encourage, our goal is to encourage radio pros and people in audio at all levels. This includes helping broadcasters sell radio advertising. Oh, yeah, it does. We now have a quarterly uh, radio exclusive sales event, and you can attend. It's affordable. It's totally free. And if you missed our first quarterly sales event that we called the 2022 Sales Liftoff, you can find that uh, as a podcast episode in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, or you can subscribe to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast anytime. It's free in our archive. However, we want to ask you to save this date and share it with anyone associated with broadcast or audio revenue. April 14th, 2022, that is the date of our next exclusive sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming Q2 sales exclusive event, Getting Higher Sales Now in a Crowded Market. And you know, it's never been more relevant than it is now. Everybody trying to bounce back and get that revenue where it should be. Are your revenues where they should be? Well, maybe you should... Maybe you should be at this event. Our guests will include my fabulous co-host, Alec Drake, from the Drake Media Group, and both Dave Deutsch, who is the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are two real on-the-ground experts developing revenue in their market for their clusters, for their company, for their local radio stations. And they're going to share with you how you can directly boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, right here on the Clubhouse app. Don't forget, Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the radio rally right here on the Clubhouse app inside the Encouragers. This Monday, this must be just, uh, I don't know what this is. Everything just kind of all comes together, right? We're talking about revenue and talking about revenue. Jeffrey Walensky is going to be our guest on Monday. And if you don't know, he's the director of federal and national sales for WTOP in Washington, D.C. and the Federal News Network. Now, listen, they generate per their radio station, WTOP, generates about Oh, let's see. First, they're the number one generator of revenue in the U.S. for radio. Okay, number one. But they're number one by like 35 or $45 million. Think you can learn something from Jeffrey on Monday? I think you can. Please share that with people who are in sales so that they can be a part of that as well. Uh, one of the great things about our group, the encouragers, we do invite people to come up and have conversation. You can do that by hitting the little button right here with the hand and the iPad or whatever you want to call it uh, at the bottom of your screen. But you don't have to do that. You can also send me questions through the IM platform here on the Clubhouse app. And Irene, I hope it's all right. I got a couple of questions for you uh, that way. The first one is, what do you love about entrepreneurship so much? The creativity of our minds, the ability to connect the dots, the ability to see in every challenge and opportunity and not be, you know, scared by it. That's that's one of the most amazing things about entrepreneurship. And again, you know, all the things that I mentioned about the passion and how much passion there is and hope 
in entrepreneurship. All right. The second question, I know you're going to love this because I know that you're uh, instrumental in being involved in this in your life in almost every way. How involved are you supporting and encouraging women in entrepreneurship? So with with my business, I am very, very involved because mm -hmm. we don't only not only that I'm for, for many of these women, I'm with them from the beginning, right? Like even even helping them ideate, come up with the business idea. Um, and also I have other courses that they take and, you know, I do consult them, I do coach them and I also keep in touch with them. And on our social media, we help feature them all the time. So I'm, I keep in touch and we keep promoting their businesses as well. And that's how I, you know, I get to understand where they're at and what's happening with their life, etc. So it's a continuous well, look, relationship. You you and I talked about how it doesn't have to be women. We can talk about a lot of different things. We can talk about young people. We can talk about people of color. We can talk about women. We can talk about, uh, you put it in any language that you want. If you can see it, you can see your path to doing it, right? And I think that's important with female entrepreneurs, isn't it? Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, I do thank you for joining us. We do try to keep things to about an hour. Our special thanks to Irene Shabati. Look, just for hanging out with us and being patient with our stupid questions and 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 giving. You had so great much. questions, Lloyd. I, I love the conversation. I loved your questions. I thank you for the opportunity to share you know, about my life, about what I think about innovation and entrepreneurship. And I hope this conversation, you know, helped people learn a little bit more about innovation and entrepreneurship. And I hope it did inspire others who are listening well, listen, to start businesses as well. Look, this conversation continues with you and I and with you with others and with me with others. And it's important for us to encourage entrepreneurship. Listen, a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which should be available uh, shortly, uh, probably within the next hour, maybe sooner. And we want to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. By the way, our podcast are the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. You can get both of these uh, if you're interested in growing your career in audio, you're interested in innovation, both podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere that you get your podcast. If you do not remember anything from tonight's event, please do remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation in Audio with the Encouragers, and good night.